To be 60 in pigtails is disturbing. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Hope you brought that cranberry sauce. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. A total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with a perspective we've each gained from our varying walks of life and those flavors of fear that we tend to fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. It's not cranberry sauce. The Cowardly Creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the Screaming Queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. We're a U.S.-based podcast, and tis the Thanksgiving season around these parts. As such, we've got a seasonally appropriate movie lined up for this week. Fret not, it is not Thanksgiving 3. Before we get to give up the goods, though, we have some follow-up regarding our last batch of holiday movies. We recently reviewed a few installments in the Halloween franchise, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Hell yeah. Truly two very different movies. (laughs) And we wanted to hear what our friends thought, so... First up, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, actually was very split. 55% gave it a hack and 45% gave it a slash. It was super close. Yeah, and when that movie originally came out, it would have been very highly favored in the hack territory. So I think we're making progress. You know, I guess it's aging well. We have a couple comments from our listeners. Uh, Darren on Facebook said, This was the first Halloween film I watched, so I have a soft spot for it. But I can see how this would be a total hack to some people. Although it is nice to hear Halloween 3 getting some love recently, as it's been kind of dismissed over the years. I just wish it hadn't been released under the Halloween name so it could be judged on its own merits. Totally agree. That's exactly the problem. Yeah, and also I can't imagine this being like the first Halloween movie you see. Same. I think they honestly should go back and re-release the movies retitled to remove the numbers and just like throw in the subtitle and then, you know, choose your own adventure. That would be interesting, but I will say that even I think one of our friends, Jason, commented at some point... And he noted how Carpenter-esque that Halloween 3 feels. And I feel like that's a very astute observation. I feel that too. We also have a comment from one of our patrons, Ash, who said, I saw the original Halloween on TV when I was 12. Nothing cinematic has ever affected me as much before or since. So approaching this sequel without Myers when it was released was a difficult pill to swallow. I have since learned to appreciate it as its own entity. And I think that's how you have to look at this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Moving on to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Uh, surprisingly, it also got 55% hack and 45% slash. It was very highly favored on Instagram, though. Instagram showed up for Michael Myers. Truly, Instagram and Twitter have very different tastes on these polls. (laughs) We have a comment from one of our friends, Tony, who's a patron. He said, I loved his return, loved Danielle Harris's performance, and obviously we love Loomis. Having a leading child does it for me in horror because I can't think of anything more horrific than something happening to one of my nieces. A well-done slash. Tony has great taste. I feel like he and I vibe very well. We also have a comment from one of our patrons, Daniel, who said, I have to be 100% honest. I prefer this movie over Halloween 2018. I got such a gothic, cold feeling from Halloween 4, and it's executed so well. Daniel Harris just kills this performance. My two favorite scenes in this are the ending and the rooftop scene. And I think that's fair. Daniel Harris is a breakout star in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one of our other patrons, Zach, actually chimed in with very similar feelings and you know talked about how not many movies can end on such a PTSD reaction to a killing spree the way this one did, which I thought was very great. He also showed a lot of love to Paris and said that Paris is one of his favorites, although he thinks his opinion on this movie is total trash. I avoided reading that one to not show bias. Well, you know, <laughs> it's all right. 
But thank you so much, Zach. I see you and I appreciate you as well. Hopefully uh, I will regain your faith in my hacks and slashes moving forward. Finally, we just want to thank one of our newest patrons, Carrie. Carrie, thank you so much for supporting our podcast. It means a lot to us that you've gone out of your way to show us some love. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And in the spirit of thanking, let's talk about what Thanksgiving is supposed to be. Yes, Thanksgiving is supposed to be a time for gratitude, unity, reflection. But hey, in many cases, it's an awkward family reunion where tensions boil, drama ensues, and relationships turn sour before everyone just goes shopping the next day in what is one of the most grotesque examples of capitalism in our country. (laughs) But what better time to explore a movie that exploits a little bit of everything? This week's film is an 80s slasher set on a Thanksgiving in Jacksonville, Florida, and follows a young man escaping a psychiatric institution in hopes of finding his mother and protecting her from his homicidal twin brother. And let me tell you folks, given the wild antics that ensue, this might just be the most Florida man of all 80s slashers. (laughs) This week, we're talking about Complex, also known as Slasher, also known as Nightmare at Shadow Woods, but more commonly known to you folks as Blood Rage. Now, this is a rare one that I've heard absolutely nothing about. How about you folks? Well, I know so little about this movie that even after watching it, I didn't realize it was taking place in Florida. <laughs> yep, here we are. So that's that's where I'm at. But does it make sense now? <laughs> oh, it makes sense. That's for sure. Only in Florida could a series of events happen such as this. And let me tell you that I am one who has never understood the Florida man shit. Like, I'm a very proud Floridian. <laughs> However, the bath salt cannibalism, that that drew the line for me. I, I do understand now why everyone jokes about Florida. I personally had never heard of this movie. I also didn't realize it had so many titles. Uh, this this was a weird one, to be honest. Um, going into it, the name Blood Rage is the name I was aware of. Um, and I kind of thought it would be like a over-the-top, kind of like very like masculine. I got like masculine energy from that name, almost like Fast and the Furious energy. And I'm honestly not sure if that was what I got. I'm still a little confused. You know, that name definitely inspired thoughts in my head. My roommate and I were both joking that Blood Rage sounds like a late 80s Jean-Claude Van Damme film Yeah, versus a horror film. Um, and I obviously have not seen this before. I actually hadn't heard of it. I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't read a synopsis. I just looked it up on Tubi and hit play. And as soon as we made it into like the first scene where it like says Jacksonville, Florida, I was like, oh, this is a horror movie already. (laughs) Yeah. And let's be clear here. This is on Tubi, but it's also on AMC Plus. So I feel like when you go in and it's like if you cue your Apple TV, ask you to pull a blood rage, you'll expect something when you see it on Tubi. But when I saw it was on AMC Plus, I was like, man, what am I in store for here? And while I hadn't heard about this movie at all, it actually was a random draw from our database and particularly the options that matched for Thanksgiving. A lot of folks are excited about this one, though. So Darren reached out to us on Facebook to convey his excitement and also sent us a picture of a shirt his sister made for him with a cranberry sauce quote for this movie. Given that, I didn't know what to expect, but but seeing that excitement from our listeners gave me hope that this would be a fun ride. And boy, was uh, was it a ride. I, I was entertained, I'll say. I think I was entertained by how awkward and uncomfortable it was. Well, I went in, tried to like make an expectation, right, based off of literally just looking at it in 2B. And it's got a nice little graphic. And uh, I really was expecting like a camp murder situation. I was expecting a machete in a camp. I could feel that. Yeah, that was the, I mean, I don't know why it was called. I don't think Blood Rage was really the best decision anyone's made. Because it's hereditary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get it. I just don't like it. While I was watching, I felt a lot of 
uh, why am I here right now doing this? That's what I felt a lot of. Do teens have this much sex? Those were most of my things. <laughs> the answer is no, by the way. Do adults? Also no. <laughs> well, I think it depends on the adult that you are and the time of life you're in. If you're single, if you're casually playing the field, someone has sex this much. Just not many people. I stand by my comment. <laughs> While watching this, I was mostly confused, um, but also entertained. So it was it was a weird balance because there were moments where I was like, oh, this is actually really good for what it is. And then there were other times where I was like, what is this? Uh, so it was it was a mixed bag for me. Is it porn? Yeah, yeah, it's adjacent. I was really struck by like the the first scene because you get this like super eighties soundtrack and like a very like eighties setting, and then you get like a really over the top kind of in your face kill. And I was like, it set it set a very specific tone, and then moving forward, it kind of upheld that tone, but in like a weird way. It's it's hard to describe what I'm trying to say. An indescribable something. I mean, it's accurate. That is a very reasonable thing to say about this movie. This was definitely the weirdest episode of Days of Our Lives I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> seriously, they they outdid themselves in this one. But it 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 gave me a lot of opportunities to laugh. I'll say that there was a lot of moments that were absolutely hilarious, and maybe that's because we watch a lot of horror films. But I found it kind of funny, and there were parts of it parts of it that were very entertaining. I, I will admit that, and other parts that were, like you mentioned, some of the gorgeous. I don't know. It didn't really match the rest of the film for me. Like it was like so beyond that when I'm watching and I was just like, this is, I don't know, it's like the two things didn't add up together, but somehow in the end it became its own film because of that. And so it, it's interesting that you point that out. And I want to follow that train of thought because the gore and the vibe of the rest of the film are kind of the two things that surprised me most about it. One, the gore for me felt pretty great. Like it's weird. But then it gets really intense all of a sudden. It's like, whoa, we're like, I've seen worse gore in more mainstream slasher movies. But the other thing that surprised me was just how absurd the acting was or the attempts at acting. It was overacting. It was underacting. It was just mediocre in some places. However, I had to like stop and, and check myself because I have to like remind myself, wait, no, this is a B movie. This isn't upper echelons this isn't like the top tier stuff this is something that has a very specific styling and i think one of the performances that we get in this movie and it's actually one of like the main characters he has a performance that shows just a lot of range for himself and i was kind of impressed by that like if you squint your eyes just right you think hey that guy probably has some some measure of talent is that generous maybe (laughs) you're being so kind I, I did feel that, you know, there's some moments when you're watching people where you're like, why have we frozen this frame on this person's face as they're making the most absurd facial expression? Oh, oh, yeah. I was definitely surprised by some of those moments because there were so many of them. And honestly, it was one of the characters over and over again, like other characters, we would just kind of flash on by like some of the some of the scenes were so fast, like kills were just like left and right. But then there's like one character that we would always just freeze the frame like let them express mm-hmm. themselves and i was like well i don't i didn't expect this like again there were another scene where an entire interaction between the killer and a character would take 0.5 seconds but yet this one character would be like upset about something for 72 minutes on screen <laughs> i think i know which character you're talking about mac does she have a drinking problem <laughs> that's the one i'm thinking of i was Ultimately, very surprised by the level of gore in this, uh, for sure. It, at sometimes the quality of gore, 
but like Chris, you were mentioning, it feels like there's a, a really wide array of different performances from the cast here. It, it felt like nobody was in the same movie. Some people were giving you like one thing while another character was giving you like the complete opposite. And it all blended together to create something that was like truly bizarre to watch. Oh, yeah. They blew the budget on one person and then, you know, everyone else, just whoever you can get. I couldn't even tell you who that one person is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page. I think what surprised me the most was actually like the writing. And it's not a good surprise. Yeah. There's what Mac is saying. There's like these moments where some characters are just on screen for so long. And then some of the content of what they're on screen for is just like, what are we doing? doing here and and why are you such a horrible person and or character (laughs) yeah so i think for me it's like uh, there's an opening scene in this movie that really really intrigued me and then they were like cool you're here now i'm gonna do everything that sucks (laughs) it i don't know i think you'll be able to tell by the way we're talking about this it's really hard to describe this movie and really kind of a, a bit difficult to digest as a whole it's weird and i think when it comes down to that digestion right when we started the show, we went a little tangential on Thanksgiving in our first year. We did a we did a movie that takes place over Thanksgiving break at a college. Then we went full on Thanksgiving in our second year. And <sighs> let me tell you, realizing now that it was only a year ago that that happened, I feel like it happened a lifetime ago. And that is a rough realization. <laughs> this movie, I think because it's so weird... It is a perfect match for Thanksgiving because there's so much weird shit that happens over Thanksgiving. Like you're either like in this really wholesome family that makes a lot of sense and everything's great. Or you're just in this ambiguous like dumpster fire of a situation where, you know, you got Thanksgiving clapbacks and whatnot. So I feel like the energy there (laughs) is not my family, but it's what I imagine other families to be with like 20% less homicide. Only 20%? So <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Only 20% because you know that shit's wild somewhere. In Jacksonville. I think this is going to be an especially tough year for Thanksgiving if you're visiting your family. One, because of you know the fact that we just were getting through this whole election process and then two, because of COVID. So I, I think Thanksgiving this year is probably going to be scarier than this movie was. Potentially, yeah. There's going to be some difficult conversations around the country. So, you know, peace be with you. Hope you're tuning in for our podcast on the drive up or the drive back, and hopefully we can distract you from the madness. <laughs> yeah, be smart. Don't talk politics with your family. It's not a good idea. I'm with you, though, Mac. I was not at all scared by this movie. Um, if anything, I may be perturbed by the minds of some of the people working on this project, but that's about it. Not perturbed by the characters, but by the minds of the producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So many strange choices were made. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not scary. It's like, you get some good, like, kill music. That's all, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. I mean, that's that's accurate. I think one of the movie's strong points is its audio. But I will say that while this movie isn't scary, I've never seen anything quite like it. And I feel like I've I've been on a trend this year in particular of finding a lot of movies that are just this unique blend of nonsense that I haven't seen before. This movie feels like Maury Povich meets true crime something on investigation discovery meets a really (laughs) shitty like student film project but it combines to lift it out of like the exact bottom of the barrel shittiness and it like it almost develops its own vibe that i can kind of respect yeah i guess it's unique (laughs) it's so hard here i would say that the basis of the story is unique for a horror film and uh and, and and honestly, actually pretty strong for a horror film. 
I think that's credit that's that's due. I think the first scene of this movie sets it up really well, and then we get through some some mud to get to the good content eventually. Um, but I, I think the killer hits their stride where they start having fun with what they're doing. They're the honestly the only person having fun in this film, um, aside from the other young folk doing some some naughty things. But on screen, at least, they eventually hit this point where they've just they've completely switched over. And we've seen that obviously from other killers, but this killer switches from like stone faced and just brutality to this is, this is my idea of a good time. And they just let it be seen. So that was, that was a little bit different for me, which I liked. See, I feel like, like the, the premise being evil twin isn't original. Like you, like you said, Mac, it's very like days of our lives or like soap operas or even pretty little liars. Um, but the direction they took with it, uh, going completely off the rails, ended up in a place that felt original. I will say, though, that I have seen the, some themes are similar in another movie. If you want to see an 80s slasher that's not necessarily similar to, similar to this, but takes a specific plot device and does it better, you can watch The Initiation from 1984. That was a good movie. It takes place in a department store for like a sorority pledge initiation thing. It definitely is this like unique blend of things, but... I don't know that its quirkiness justifies the less visual thing we see. The ending as a whole, I think, is pretty interesting. There's a lot happening. It's a little bit like, what the fuck, all over the place. But I don't think it should have ended on that like one image we get. And How do you guys feel about that? I didn't care for the ending overall. Surprisingly, though, it looked really good. Like the lighting in the final scenes and like the composition, I thought were like notably... Uh, nice throughout the or compared to the rest of the film um but the the story ending i was kind of just like what what are we doing here um so i was not a fan see i quite liked the end i felt like it brought a lot of the story together made a lot of sense um and you know gave us a little bit of a twist that was not necessarily surprising but i i enjoyed it i'm i'm actually a fan you know, after all the trash I've been talking, I I think the end did what it needed to do for this movie. Oh, I would also like to add that I, I may be confused by what happened in the ending, which may be affecting my, my perception. Yep, that might that might be the case. I think there's a good reason why you're confused, because there is some weird stuff. <laughs> I think there is definitely a lot of one plus one equals two in the ending. However, they try to slip in a variable like one of those letters in there, like you get in algebra and shit gets weird for a little bit. <laughs> but there is a hilarious thing about the ending that I can't wait to talk about later because i saw that and i was like see now that is a realistic reaction to this whole situation <laughs> oh it's my favorite thing i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> oh i can't wait well the ending for me was was like half and half i think story-wise we get to a point where i was very happy and i think we should have just like gone to black at that point and the movie's done but they kept going for like a little bit longer which made it so much worse they took a decent ending and kind of twisted it into mediocrity so uh, half and half. I think it's it's part good, and then they had they should have left something out. So basically, the whole movie is they had some good ideas, and then they messed them up. <laughs> <laughs> That's not necessarily an unfair observation. So this movie is half good, it's half bad. But you know, there's no half good, half bad on this show when it comes to our ratings. Before we get into the actual scoring, Ryan, in Alexis's absence. How many people got wrecked in this movie? <laughs> so a solid 11 people got wrecked in 
blood rage. That's a big Thanksgiving party. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole dinner party and they're all gone now. Mm-hmm, indeed. Now, what about the animal report? So fortunately, we have no turkeys in this movie. Okay, no thanks killing. No live turkeys trying to kill people. That's what matters the most to me during Thanksgiving horror movies is that there's not a turkey cussing and killing. Our animal report is clear. We're all good. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and start getting into the ratings then. Blood Rage from 1987. Was it a hack or a slash? I'll go first. Uh, This is a hack for a multitude of reasons. Initially, it started out as like a bad 80s slasher, but the fun kind. So my boyfriend and I, we were making fun of it. We were having a good time. We were laughing. Uh, And then we were like, oh, this movie can't be that much longer. And we looked at it and there was still an hour left. And we're like, okay, let's, we can keep going. We're going to watch this through to the end. Um, And it just, it got to a point where the sequence of events started making less and less sense. And it was just kind of stuff happening Uh, people dying. The kills, I think, were actually the highlight of this movie, and some of them were very fun, and the gore was actually really solid. Um, But some of the characters in in this, specifically the mom, was like, one, hideously disfigured, two, absolutely insane to watch, like, interact and move about the world uh, in a way that I was just like, is this woman, like, an Oscar-winning actress, or is she just, like, disturbed in the mind? And I don't have an answer for you. Ultimately, this movie didn't make up for anything in the end so it still ended on the hack side uh and at one point i thought to myself you know sometimes these podcast movies just like waste a night so this is a definition waste of time uh you know paris you're not wrong okay (laughs) you know this movie is a hack it's not good i don't think it's enjoyable unless you're the type of person that finds joy in really trash 80s horror and sure it's a b movie but we've seen good b movies you know like there's uh there's some solid kills here there's some things they start with a really good storyline that's really intriguing and i like went in you know not not prepared for for very much and the opening scene is really exciting and i'm like oh man this is great and then there's pie being thrown at the wall Mm. and i was like "Mm." Okay, things are escalating. We end up with a, a, an absolute psychopath of a mother, but not like in a fun way, just in like a way that makes you think, maybe I don't need to drink alcohol anymore. Maybe alcohol is not for <laughs> people. Maybe humans shouldn't consume that, you know? I felt like there were like three settings in this movie, right? We have like a pool, a house, and like a, a park. They just keep going through the same places. And it, I don't know. There's just so many things. I, you guys know I don't like like a group of teenagers out doing things all the time. I don't know. Is that a dumb thing for me to say? It's whatever. This movie kind of sucks. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's so much better than Thanksgiving. I'm so glad we don't have to watch Thanksgiving this year, but it's pretty bad. Aside from the line about the cranberry sauce, that was the best part of the whole movie. (laughs) Cranberry sauce is pretty amazing on its own. It's no sweet potatoes. Gotta say that. Give me some yams with some marshmallows, man. It's no stuffing. But with stuffing? Everything that you just said disgusts me. What? (laughs) You can leave. I hate all of it. We have an amazing egg stuffing in my family that comes from the Italian ancestry. Egg? Egg. So it's it's called an egg stuffing, but it's not really like a stuffing. It's really cool. It's like a ton of eggs, a ton of cheese. Oh, no. It's delicious. It's really hearty. It's like Lord of the Rings, like like elf bread, basically. Like you eat one piece and you're done for the night. Mm, I don't think so. If you ever need a clear indication of how Mac feels on a movie, he will start the rating by not talking about the rating. <laughs> and that's how we start. So I true. was just responding to cranberry sauce, but I will I'll I'll keep it I'll keep it simple. Kind of like I, I felt about the ending, 
this movie is like it's part good and it's and it's part bad. It's got some good stuff in it. The killer again is having fun in certain points. There's some good one-liners. And yeah, so then there's the rest <laughs> of the movie. End of list. Right. No, like I like you mentioned, I like the beginning. I like some of the, the other stuff that happened here and there. But the rest of the movie, I remember we're, we're watching this and I'm watching this with my girlfriend and my roommate. And at some point, my roommate reads my mind and said, this is a hack. So <laughs> it should be pretty apparent. I consider it a hack. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like we know how bad things can get. This isn't that bad, but it's not on the slasher side. Can I ask a question of the room? What dish is this at Thanksgiving? Which what what dish does this movie align with? I got it. What's yours? This is the green bean casserole. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's exactly that what it is. Somebody else brought to the table. Yep. Your family didn't make this. Yep. The visitor. And it's cold. It's not even hot anymore, and it's soggy. Yep. Oh my god. It, I'm so glad because that's exactly what I think it is. <laughs> Chris, do you have a differing opinion? <laughs> so that is a good question, and I want to to fold it into my response about this movie because it's just like it's all over the place first off i'm not a thanksgiving person i could care less about the holiday it's one that i always volunteered for duty like in the navy because like y'all can go chill i don't i don't give a shit about it (sighs) it's just not it's just not my thing you know like christmas yes new year's yes halloween absolutely thanksgiving is just meh this movie is is such an odd one the acting is Truly terrible. Mm. With the exception of our boy who plays both Terry and Todd, who shows great range as both characters. It's just two ends of the spectrum there. Is it the best acting you've ever seen? Hell no. But there's some there's some variety there. And variety is the spice of life. It's absurdly cheesy. It's got some really solid gore. It has a lot of moments that linger way too long. Mac, you were saying that earlier. Lots of dialogue that lasts way too long. And yet somehow something about it just feels a little charming. Really campy B-movie charming. It's definitely not one that I would I would think about like, what's a good 80s slasher? Blood rage. It's not that. And I think when you're talking about Thanksgiving dishes, right? Like you guys like cranberry sauce, you like yams, you like all that marshmallow nonsense. And I hate all of those things, but I love green bean casserole. It is actually no. one of the few Thanksgiving foods that I love and I love it for leftovers. No. You better not. <laughs> She's gonna. Do you just like it because you have those little fried onions on top? Yes. I like it crunchy. <laughs> and every time I've had it, I've, I've never suffered through it where it's like super soggy, right? Like I like green bean casserole, mac and cheese, and some kind of bread variation. I don't even care about the meat at the table. Like those three things and I'm good. You better not. <laughs> at the end of the day. This movie is is fun, but it's weird fun. And again, it's like this fine line. It's like the fun that you should have with friends. Watching this movie, talking shit about it, it's the movie that brings people together. It's not the movie that you sit back and watch, I want to watch a fucking great horror movie. For me, it's not. For our boy Darren, probably. Darren, I can't wait to hear what you think about this movie. I know you were excited for us to talk about it. Sorry, the results have been as they are so far. Don't make him feel better. <laughs> but look... This movie is a total joke. Like, that is the the end result, right? But it's not a waste of time for me. Ugh. It's not. It's How dare you? This is a very specific watch that can work in a very specific way. I like this better than I like Sleepaway Camp 2. Uh. Because Sleepaway Camp 2 gave you camp and cheese on the heels of, like, a really good first slasher. And this is just so bad that it's good. Sleepaway Camp 2, for me, wasn't bad enough in its in its goodness. So despite all the hacking that occurs in this movie, it gets a soft slash from me. Good recommendation if you want to quell your anxieties while the world is falling apart outside. No. If you want to 
fix your anxiety, uh, The Great British Bake Show. That's what you should watch. Oh, yeah. You should not watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, new episode every week. But if you want to watch Death, then this is not a bad one to go to. The gore <laughs> lifts this movie into a sla- soft slash rating. There are lots of knives on The Bake Show. The gore carries this movie. I would watch this again if I wanted to watch a gory, cheesy 80s movie that I wasn't super invested in. Because you love horror. Yes. This is the pun intended part of Totally Killer. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. Mm. Oh, Mac, that is beautiful. And there we have it, folks. Blood Rage from 1987 has earned three totally reasonable hacks and one slightly confused, slightly delirious soft slash. Now, we have a lot to talk about in this movie because there are some insane kills, some really intense gore. The special effects artist on this movie ended up going on to make the special effects for like one of the Terminator movies. So some high quality there, some things to consider. You can find this movie, as we mentioned, streaming free on Tubi or on AMC Plus if you roll like that and you're just too good for Tubi, I guess. Check it out. Join us in the second half, and we'll get down to business. Hey there, moms and dads. You've had a long week. Going to work, picking up the kids from soccer practice, grocery shopping, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, cooking and cleaning and sleeping over and over again. You deserve to take a break and enjoy a night out. But don't worry about paying for some flaky babysitter who'll just ignore your beloved children and make out with their college crush all night. Put your kids in a kid kennel. These patent-pending kennels have everything your kids need, like handheld video games, pizza bites, cozy blankets, and integrated white noise machines for sleep time. Got a hot day to a drive-in? Don't let your homicidal kids run around slashing people with axes all willy-nilly crate them and keep them contained and entertained in the back of your station wagon. They can watch their choice of parent-approved TV and movies on the built-in tablet and even throw on noise-canceling headphones to tune out all that parental smooching you've been missing out on. Kid Kennels. Crates aren't just for fur babies anymore. Not available for government purchase. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Blood Rage, which takes place on Thanksgiving. And at any good Thanksgiving table, there is always one person who is the odd one out. And tonight, folks, that is me. This movie earned three hacks and one soft slash. Now, we have a lot to talk about. There is a number of wild thing in this movie, but one of the best things about it is its gore as unanimously agreed upon. Now, Ryan, again in Alexis's absence... What's our gore score? As always, these are difficult shoes to fill. But this movie, this movie didn't make it too bad for me. I think we have a good amount of gore in here. I, especially for a movie in the 80s. Granted, it's late 80s, you know, getting closer to the 90s. But I mean, everything got cut off in this movie. There's (laughs) nothing but decapitations and uh, severed limbs. And it's just pretty much every single kill, honestly, is uh, something cut off and squirting blood. So it's definitely got some gore. It would be hard to deny that. We start with like a pretty intense uh, scene at the movies, of course, and with a hatchet to the face through a window. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like to a person on top of another person. So it's kind of a lot. Kind of, um, this is the type of gore where you shouldn't question how it happened. You just understand that it happened. Don't, (laughs) Don't ask about how hard bones are to cut through. Just let it go. Or the strength of a child. Exactly. And to add to that, right? Like, you know, if you have sex in a horror movie, uh, you're going to probably die. And this 
whole opening scene just covers a bunch of sex crazed people doing it at a drive-in. So there's a lot to go around there. So it just, you know, the amount that that is built up, I feel like it builds up the amount of gore you get in your first kill. Agreed. And remind me to come back to sex craze because I have a whole theory. Oh, Ryan, I think I know what theory you have cooking up, but I can't wait to talk about it with you. Oh, yeah. We'll see. I don't quite know how to phrase it, but I know what I think. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. (laughs) So I, I think I'll just go straight into my favorite kill because there's so many here to choose from. So my favorite kill, which I think, um, you know, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. I didn't know this was going to be like the theme of the movie, but the cranberry sauce line is obviously the best part of the entire movie. And, you know, my favorite kill comes right after that, where we get the carving fork to the throat for with uh, Artie. It's kind of silly because we saw that one coming. We knew it was like, he literally, he stood behind him for maybe 10 minutes with the carving fork, but it ended up just being so satisfying. And like, of course, the way he's like, that's not cranberry sauce, Artie. Plot twist, it was cranberry sauce used for the blood. <laughs> hey. Yum. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. I am totally bullshitting. Oh. Is this fact, <laughs> fact or fiction? But is it uncomfortable that it made me really want cranberry sauce because I really love cranberry sauce. You really are channeling your inner Alexis right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, you did send me that video uh, from from Katie Sackhoff on YouTube, and I started watching a couple others. And I think the person recording her is that her husband. But so he asked her like, "What does blood taste like?" Because of all the fake blood that you deal with in movies, and she was like, "Actually, it's really sweet. Tastes like corn syrup. Blood yeah. tastes like <laughs> sugar. Yeah." And then she gives like the crazy eyes into the camera. It's like one of the best things. I love it. We'll drop the link in the show notes. You may know Katie Sackhoff from Halloween Resurrection, folks. Oh, yeah. So what was everyone's favorite kill? I need to go first on this or at least second to you. uh, So no one else steals it. But it's Dr. Berman. Excellent choice. Thank you. And it's so good because it shows us that Terry has Michael Myers strength, apparently, and can literally cut people in half with a machete. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of machete is severing spinal columns, but this this dude has some skills and some strength, apparently. Yeah. He for sure channeled his inner Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th Part 3 when he cut Andy clean in half. So impressive. I don't know how it happened, but to see it on screen was absolutely insane for this film. Like, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Maybe, let's say uh, she has osteoporosis and her bones are low density. Because <laughs> let me tell you, machete and bones, not going the way it went in this movie. I particularly love that kill too, Mac, because... The shot before it, we see the deranged mom pouring like the largest glass of wine ever and struggling to dial a rotary phone, just like really doing her own thing kind of outside of the movie and then cuts immediately to the severed torso on the ground, just like wiggling and struggling. And I was like, oh, so she's dead, dead, dead. It was fast. It was it was like such a jarring cut. Yes. A quick leaving of this earth. It happened very fast and she was in shambles. It's definitely one of those moments you know, in the past, we've talked about WTF, meaning, wow, the fuck? It's about, like, an Alexis realization in these movies with gore. <laughs> and that was one of those for me, because it was like, you know, the killer is just, you know, Terry's just walking up to her, and she's screaming and standing still and not trying to get away at all, which is bizarre. But then to go back and just see how intense that brutality was, yeah, Paris, I agree. That was that was an interesting editing choice. I got to give my favorite kill to uh, a, a double whammy that we got on the diving board with Greg and Andrea. Um, one, because Greg was the closest one to being hot in this movie and getting to see his butt. I was like, oh, look at that little butt. It wasn't a great butt, but it was butt nonetheless. Uh, and then the two of them just being killed while having sex missionary on a diving board was just like 
what it's something i've never seen before and i hope i never see again yeah all you swimmers out there is that like what you guys are into (laughs) because it seems kind of weird hey look don't yuck anyone's yum the texture on those diving boards would like hurt your back Mm. okay well first and foremost diving boards are basically illegal now and second what really got me is where they were in the tennis court first and he was like no 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 i have something in mind like this is what you had in mind this (laughs) they went all over why did we get such a wide shot of it i didn't want it yeah you had to like really fully appreciate the length of their bodies intertwined on that board (laughs) and then i love that they ended up in the sauna very romantic they were just like let's keep them naked (laughs) and just like re relocate them for another nude shot very artsy they were looking for any opportunity to show her nipples yeah absolutely it's funny i i wrote down three because i was so sure that my favorite kill would get snagged So I think that speaks highly to the level of kill in this movie. But mine is Brad. It's getting his hand cut off with a beer, which was weird enough because he was listening to this Jesus radio show. And it says, this is the Lord Never Sleeps Bible show. And since the Lord never sleeps, neither do we. And it just seemed like such a weird juxtaposition, like cracking open a cold one, listening to the Lord not sleeping, and then getting your hand cut off with a machete. But then when we see his body posed later... His hands are just like are just like propping up his head and like, wait, is he alive groaning in pain? I'm I'm it's taking a bit to to like really piece this together. Same. When Maddie comes into the room and you know, his body lurches forward, you realize he's been cut in half hot dog style, at least his head. And that was a great payoff for the disappointing amount of gore that you get up front. The hand was its own thing. You think it's over, and then bam, Brad comes back again. Yes, that is uh, actually one of my honorable mentions for the gore. So we have the the brain that we see of Brad that was ooey gooey and pretty gnarly. And also the decapitation of Bill where he's just hanging in front of the door. It was so intense. That was my second mm. place. Yeah. Fun fact, that is the special effects guy for this movie. The, that character, Bill. Oh, that's crazy. Oh. And so my last little shout out for the gore is the machete through the chest of Julie. That thing, the, the way he just pulled it out and he's like, why? You don't want to have some fun? Like, oh, that was a, that one, that, that one was pretty gruesome, I have to say. My third place went to Drive-In Dude because that was a way to kick off a movie, right? Like all that blood spraying onto the popcorn. But look. I'm curious about what this theory is because it just reminds me, like, I can't think about that kill without realizing that his date ran off starkly naked into the night uh, screaming. (laughs) Nice butt. Yeah, that was a nicer butt. So obviously these driving kids were were super sex crazed. Ryan, what's that theory of yours? Yeah, so I don't know. There's definitely this tone in this movie, like everyone's real sex crazed and not like regular sex crazed, but like literally it almost like if you had aliens and you made everyone in a town have like a hive mindset and you were like make them only think about sex that's kind of how it was in this movie this is an episode of rick and morty yes yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so you know there's just so many things and like uh, you know i understand like people not knowing that they're in the friend zone and they're trying to hit on you and uh fiance of the mother trying to kiss her to make her feel better but there's just so much that it just got like really intense obviously we have a lot of mommy issues happening in this movie but i feel like there's some like underlying uh i don't know exactly what because it's not really clear but some underlying like christian Mm. abstinence you shouldn't be as provocative as you're being i don't know there's something like that 
going on because of the scene with Brad. Yeah. Right. That's like, it's pretty prominent. It's very intense in that moment. And, and it's very specific. It's not like you had to pay attention to it. That's like all you hear. That is such a good take. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I don't have a full theory about it because kind of the movie didn't give me one. I'm blaming the movie. <laughs> it tracks though, right? Because Andrea is like the new neighbor, right? And she right. tries to make a move on Terry. Who, First off, Terry has so many issues in so many different ways, but he's like, what are you doing? Clearly highly uncomfortable with the idea of being touched. Right. It's almost like he just wanted, it's almost as if, you know, and you wonder if these kids were like taught to be pure. And then he got upset when he saw his mom not being pure, the woman he loves most in the world. That's what I was thinking. Right. But then also there's like some weird, like the way he kisses his mom is weird. Everything is weird. Weird sexual tension with the mom. Yeah. Weird sexual tension, especially at the end with Todd. Oh my God. At the end. I was like, are they going to kiss? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, I know. I fully thought they were going to kiss. I was like, he was, I'm not ready. He was staring into her eyes and she was like just glaring at his nose the whole time. It was so intense. Yeah. They were both just like watching each other's lips quiver. And I was like, why is this the ending? Yeah. It was uncomfortable. That's for sure. The way they were looking at each other and locked in each other's embrace is exactly the kind of interaction you would find explicitly detailed in smutty fan fiction. Mm. Yeah, that's gross. But it's Florida, so there's an incest angle. Yeah. yeah. Looking at the way this movie is built, constructed, the way it's shot, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of most of the shots. There's only like a couple here and there that you feel like are really good cinematic shots. But I really, you know, not to like just totally dive it back into the gore, the quality of the effects in this movie is something to be admired. It was so good. Yes, I agree with you. But also, I think the thing that I don't like, like a, a hand gets cut off and it keeps moving. Like, I know that's a movie thing. <laughs> oh, I thought that was fun. That was like stupid fun for me. Yeah, it, that's that's my own fault. I don't have enough fun with it. But I will say that for sure, I think visually, it's the kills in this movie. That's what we have to to grasp onto and enjoy. Yeah, little Bill's head just hanging out in front of the front door. Mm -hmm. It didn't look like him, but it looked good. I'm going to give my favorite visual element to uh, the lighting in the final pool scene. Uh, I think that was a really well filmed scene. The writing and the acting, different story, uh, but it looked very nice. Interesting. I think if you weren't limited to visuals, the audio in the movie is actually really good. Like the, the music is stellar. Yeah. I don't know who worked on the score, but they, they deserve some applause. But there was something about like the film itself, not like the movie, but whatever film they shot this with, or maybe it's the way they processed it. But it just looked like really clean, like late 70s movies, like really good looking late 70s movies. I know it's obviously released 10 years after that, but there was something about it that seemed like it could be like the same film type that you would use in a solid Western. Mm. And I don't I don't know why that is, but maybe it's because this is the days of actually shooting on film versus digital stuff. So I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed just like looking at the pixels on my screen. Can I edit my favorite visual element and change it to uh, Terry's perfectly blown out hair? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Terry was giving very Buffalo Bill. Oh, yeah. Foreshadowing two weeks from now. Can I throw in a worst visual element? Is that okay? Absolutely. Just lay it on. Why not? The styling of the mom. Ugh. Like from the hair to the makeup to the outfits she was, was so truly crude i forgot to acknowledge this in my rating you mentioned earlier that she's horribly disfigured and i disagree with that i think she's your 
average run-in-the-mill regular person. Is she attractive? No. Not by any means. But I don't think she's horribly disfigured. Yeah. You can walk into any neighborhood and find someone who looks like her. I have no idea what you meant by that. Okay. But that doesn't, I'm not going <laughs> to defend her over it. <laughs> like, you say horribly disfigured, I'm thinking Quasimodo. <laughs> she's no Quasimodo. I was getting very Quasimodo. She's no hunchback of Notre Dame. In the opening scene, I thought, like, when she was making out with that guy that was, like, out of her league, I thought it was, like, the the situation where it's, like, the, the hot guy takes the ugly girl to, like, a date as, like, a prank or something. But it's it's this woman's, let's say, homely. I'll, I'll bring it back down to homely. Let's say her homely appearance with this, like, weird, like, baby doll hairstyle, these, like, crocheted outfits that they had her in, the world's ugliest slouchy boots, and just, like, this makeup that made her face a different color from her body. I was just like, what is this character and who made her this way? Okay, but it's so 80s. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. You know, that's the problem. Your problem is not with the character. Your problem is with the people of the times. Yeah, it is 80s. I'm a single mom. I clearly have no sense of style or money or resources to to correct that. But she dresses her son better than her, which I think is an interesting glimpse into the psychology of these characters, right? Like, she for sure takes better care of her son than she takes for herself. I think the outfit she wears to the the therapist's office is a clear indicator of mental illness in the family. That's all. I'll leave it at that. I literally don't even remember what she wore. She could have been wearing a trash bag. Go back to the outfit. It is jarring. Look, I don't know how you can trash these outfits so much when really the pigtails that she has on later is the actual problem in this movie. Yes, that too. These like infantile hairstyles. It's like, it's very like stunted. Like this, this woman's like trapped as like a 12 year old or something. And I think that like influences all of the crazy shit that goes on in the family. But I was just like the choices from head to toe on her chilling. She's a psychopath. Who's in love with her son. (laughs) Who dresses the part. So wait, Louise Lasser, though, like that is a signature hairstyle of hers was like pigtails. And that was when even when she was younger, that was like a thing. Wasn't like always a thing. She had other hairstyles, but that's a, a look that she rocked in the past. Matt coming in with the facts. To be 60 in pigtails is disturbing. It's not that you're wrong. It's just that they were trying to prove a point. <laughs> yeah. As gross as you may have found her, I I was not a fan of Todd's messy hair. It's like early Josh Hartnett with longer blonde hair. <laughs> just thinking of that. That's the epitome of messy hair. <laughs> it's very deliberate and you can tell that it's deliberate. It's not like, oh, this is messy because, you know, I didn't comb it today and now I got in some wind. It's like messy because I'm trying to look messy right now. Okay, but I would thought it would have thought he was Terry the entire time if he didn't have that hair because Terry had the perfect blowout and Todd had the disgusting, intentional, messy hair. And and I would have completely messed them up if they didn't have that. My hair is messy, just like my feelings and my understanding <laughs> of the world. <laughs> but can I mention like how good of a job they did for having the same actor play both people? Because it was effective. And there's moments where Todd actually looks like weaker and skinnier than Terry, even though it's literally the same person. And in 2020, sure, you can have an actor, like you would film part of the movie and then you would have them like gain or lose weight and completely cut their hair and then refilm it so they could play the other twin. But it's not 2020 in this film. So they actually did a really good job of distinguishing between the two using just one actor to play both. Yeah, he brought very different body language to both roles. My favorite scene is going to be one for the lols, to be honest with you. And it has to be when... Our mom is out here calling people 
trying to find her boyfriend, which is also her fiance, I guess. Oh my God. And what <laughs> she calls the Chinese restaurant. First off, I'm going to be real with you guys. I have no concept of how phones worked when there was an operator that you spoke to. Okay. But I feel like the police would have been a very easy option. Instead, she somehow gets connected to to someone asking what number she wants to order. And she's just going on and on about her son. What I think is hilarious about that is that she was trying to call her boyfriend who runs the apartment complex. So she, A, doesn't know his phone number. B, musters up enough energy to call the operator, but not to just give her the operator the place of employment. And then C, the operator must have just said, fuck it, I'm not dealing with you. I'm passing you to literally any phone number. Yeah. (laughs) And then to come full circle, when she eventually does go to the, to the, the office, I guess, where he's at, it's clearly like two feet from her house. Like, like she just had to just uh, skip over there, you know? And all the time she spent four hours on the couch, drunk, calling people asking him questions about her kids yeah it was my favorite scene because of how truly horrible it was <laughs> have you ever drank enough where you didn't want to walk four feet to someone's house maybe but let me tell you this movie made me think and i know i already said this but maybe we shouldn't drink maybe drinking's not good <laughs> maybe it's poison because this is horrible i mean i know she's a psychopath regardless but like let's see you down two bottles of wine then try to go to the leasing office like it's you're not going to be able to do it oh i'm gonna go to the leasing office okay i'll pick an easy one for my favorite scene it's the opening scene Hmm. and that's and that's easy because it's clearly clearly one of the best scenes in the film because it's so interesting and like one you get to see ted Raimi, which is always an interesting time at least 60 percent of the time but it's cool because we get the younger version of the twins and i think they did a great job in in this in this scene where we where we actually see like the first kill maybe it's the first kill we don't know maybe terry's been killing cats the whole time we have no idea but we like it's such a surprise so i think we're all expecting something to happen to them maybe but you're watching and you know the mom's trying to get a new guy in her life and that's great for them maybe don't make out in the front seat of the car maybe that's not the best thing to do with the kids Mm -hmm. in the back maybe involve them get let them get to know your new friend whatever you know, respect I th- I though. Think, I think you missed the point of the drive-in, Mac. Because that was not it. <laughs> Maybe. The drive-in orgy. Yeah, the point of the drive-in is to hook up with literally anyone. But if you have kids, make sure they fell asleep in the back under a blanket. But put a gun on top of them to weigh <laughs> yeah. them down. Uh, I mean, it is Jacksonville. So I, I, we do have to like weigh everything with that. You got a good point. Just, just saying. But I don't know. The, the scene was the scene was really interesting. The child actors, I think, did a great job, especially the one that showed us like going catatonic in the moment of of the trauma. But compared to the rest of the movie, I mean, I know it was a bit General Hospital, and that's and that's fine. Um, but it was at least interesting to watch that first part of the movie. Like you watch this, and you're thinking, like, oh man, we're gonna see some crazy stuff. I mean, they could have taken this premise and run with it for seven movies had they had they done it right. And it ended with a butt. <laughs> That's the best way to end a scene is with an actually really good butt too. An, a nice butt, quality butt. I was uh, not impressed by this butt, but okay. I don't think you paid attention then. <laughs> I paid attention. I think I'm just not a butt person, you know. Was it the fear in the butt? Yeah. She was Pers- running from in terror. Personally offended by that (laughs) (laughs) ryan has a lot invested in this minus 10 i gotta give my favorite scene to the uh thanksgiving dinner which i until we started recording this podcast did not realize was a thanksgiving dinner and just thought it was a a regular dinner um but it gives us two moments that i thought were really nice uh one of them is terry doing a toast with a glass of milk which as we all know is the true mark of a psychopath 
And then we also have the the revelation where the mom gets the call that uh, Todd has escaped. And she says to Terry, she's like, okay, we're going to keep having dinner and whatever you do, don't mention what we just found out. And he sits down and immediately says, so you all might get to meet my psychopathic brother. He's escaped from a hospital. Yeah, it was great. And that got me really good. I laughed out loud. (laughs) That was fun. So classy of him. Yeah, that was a moment of great laughs. And I'm glad you pointed out that making a toast with a glass of milk is truly the mark of psychopaths. I don't even fucking like milk, but I've never seen someone toast milk. No. Mm-mm. That just seems bizarre. I don't know that I have a specifically favorite scene, but I for sure have a favorite moment in this movie, and that is at the end when Karen is holding the baby. She sees all this shit popping off with, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, and she just like nopes her fucking way out. Yes. The look on her <laughs> yes. face was amazing. <laughs> And for all the shitty acting she had up until that point, that just redeemed her in my eyes. That was the best part of this movie. She was just like, nah, (laughs) I'm out of here. I am not staying for this. Okay. Can we talk about that moment for for a moment? The very end of the movie? Yeah. So I I don't want to dive too deep into like what happened and what it all means. But so Terry's dead. Mother Maddie kills him. Thinking that he's Todd, even though she's been told that Todd might not have been the killer the whole time. And she found Terry's shirt in the trash covered in blood that she saw him wearing earlier in the day, but she probably doesn't remember because hepatitis or something. So she's blacked out. She also did get kissed by Todd and probably would have presumed that only Terry could kiss her that way. Oh, Oh, God. I hate that sentence. It's a special way. Lord. So uh, the thing that, I don't know if it perplexed me, but I found interesting is like, I think when Maddie realizes who's who, like cut to black end the movie with her sadness of realizing that she killed the wrong son in her mind. But we, we know in reality that was the right one. Why did we have to continue to her killing herself? And then what's going to happen to Todd? Because the only witness that's alive just like peaced out. That's the whole point. That's the beauty of it. You end the movie the same way the struggle begins, right? He starts at the movies and all this stuff happens and he's just standing there covered in blood, holding a weapon that he has nothing to do with and cops come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you end the movie. He's standing there. This time he's fortunately not covered in blood, but a bunch of people are dead and he's just standing there. No one to help him out. You know, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's on par with this movie completely. So if he's smart, do you think he's going to pull out Don Draper and like steal his brother's ID and then like pretend that he was like no. the good one? Or do you think he's going to just I don't like think he has the presence of mind? Yeah, I think his development was stunted as a 12 year old. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly going to unfortunately fall into the system. I think that's the kind of yeah. unspoken ending. But, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I think it's like perfect for this movie. I I agree with that. And here's the thing. I want to have hope in my mind that Karen would be not that far away because she does have a baby that belongs to a dead person. (laughs) And I would hope that she would speak up about this. But then I remember that she had the nerve to tell Terry's friends that Todd tried to kiss her when, in fact, he made no move to kiss her. He was just like, yeah, I've never kissed a girl before. After she clearly said, I want you to make love to me. He didn't move (laughs) towards her. He didn't lean into her. He didn't like pucker up his lips. To be fair, she had been lied to about what this man was and was scared. And we've all done crazy things when we're scared, you know. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Her character is questionable. I don't know what she's going to do with the baby that she found. She really tried to sell it, though, that like he for sure moved in on her. It's like, madam, you are sorely mistaken. That is mm-hmm. not what happened. That kid, as it turns out, grew up to be Dexter. <sighs> Just kidding. Actually, <laughs> not a bad plot point. That would be amazing. Circling back to the end there, can somebody help me to understand why is it that both the mom and Todd were just screaming, I'm Todd, over and over again? You know, they got some stuff going on. Yeah, his name was, was Robert Paulson, so. Okay, so it was just like a weird, it was a weird moment for us all then. I understand why he's screaming it. Yeah, he's uh, Todd. Because <laughs> that's his name. I have no idea why the mom is screaming, I'm Todd. Weird theory that might be giving them too much credit. Maybe she's screaming, I'm Todd, as in, I am a killer. I am a murderer. I've lost my fucking mind. I really think I you mean, have, Chris. That might be only what makes sense, I say. It, in the moment when we were watching that, we were like, what is she saying? Is she saying, I'm done? What yeah. is exactly is she saying? And then when it, you realize that she's just copying him, it, it's like... Maybe she's just like trying, you know, she's trying to process exactly what's happened and who she killed and who's left behind. And it's almost like she's like laughing in her hysteria, being like, oh, yeah, I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I killed Terry and Todd's left behind. Fully spiraling. She got catfished by her son. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I actually did think she was saying like some other nonsense that just kind of sounded like I'm Todd, like slime log but i could not figure it out (laughs) i tried so hard the whole time that really would have made more sense can i share with you what i think was the worst part of this movie oh please which which one since you slashed this man and let me tell you again i gave this a slash but it's a soft slash it's like i had fun slash the worst part of this is the moment that truly makes no damn sense in any style of filmmaking in in any uh, vibe that this movie was going for. It's the one and only scene that's narrated by someone else, the doctor, oh. when they go and oh, you know yeah. you hear the doctor's voice and you see the doctor talking and then you realize, oh shit, is my audio fucked up? No, she's just speaking over the whole damn scene while you have the audio from the scene also playing beneath it. Dude. It is it makes no sense. And it was truly the worst element of this movie and if not for the amazing effects on that gore, it would have been a hack. My theory is that she was not a good actor and they didn't want her to try to like act that out. And so they just had her do a voiceover. Huh. Man, I mean, I don't know. I'm so glad you brought this up, Chris, because when that when that scene started, I was like, is this the worst dubbing we've ever seen ever? Like, <laughs> are they not even trying? Do they just pick footage and go, man, just talk over it? And then I realized that that's literally what they did. It was like weird documentary style, but not a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to hear characters introspections unless you're doing it more than once. Also, we've never met this character ever. We don't know her. It was confusing. And here's the thing, right? You know, it's not a bad theory that you have, Mac. However, if that was the decision making behind that scene, they should have had that happen Every time she comes up, uh, including the last bits of uh, when she's about to be killed and we just stop hearing her voice or just give me a scene where she stops playing her recorder that fucking somehow doctors just like to record themselves speaking their notes into to transcribe later. Yeah. And then we get pie thrown at the wall. And like, come on. Don't what be was that? Pie. Was that peanut butter? Because it just looked like he th- threw some peanut butter on the wall. Oh, well, well, it was supposed to be pumpkin pie. Oh, it definitely reminded me of when people who are going through a lot in their minds throw feces at the wall. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's and then and then she's on the phone later like, 
well, I took my son a piece of pie like I always do with the white <laughs> paper. And like, mm, it doesn't seem like you always do this. Easily the worst mom that's ever been. And the worst part of this movie. Yes. While she was the worst part of the movie, I think the best part was Terry and Todd. Yeah. The dynamic, agree. the actor playing both of them, how different they were. Terry having fun as the killer later in the movie. Todd just being Todd throughout the film and, and holding true, I think was, was really good. You know, we didn't get Todd going through like insane moments where he was going to be the killer for just a second or anything like that. It was like Todd is Todd the whole way through and Terry changed who he was, which made sense for his personality. But I think the two of them, obviously the one actor though, uh, best, best part of the film. That's interesting, Mac. I had a lot of trouble with these characters, but, and I think this may be, I may be alone in this, but I thought Karen was the best part of this movie. I liked Karen. Her performance felt like the only one that was grounded in reality when everyone else was just like losing their shit with their their performance. She was cute too. Yeah, she was cute. She was like matter of fact, pretty practical. And she was just kind of like pretty chill throughout. And then at one point when she has that baby, she like hides the baby in a lower cabinet and the baby's leg is like still sticking out. And then she just leaves it there. And I felt related. I felt I related to that on a deep level. Also, when she took the gun from Todd, she was like, what are you doing? They just took it from him. And I'm like, yes, thank you. (laughs) This is an instance where I wish we could roll back the tape. Karen as a character had lines that were written that were grounded in reality. Like also her being slightly annoyed by Terry instead of just being truly fearful of him was funny. Yeah, (laughs) But the quality of her performance was so underwhelming. It was just like that whole awkward like... You know, we just haven't been around much, and I really want you to make love to me. It was like you picked up a random person off the street to attempt to deliver those lines. That's, That's what it's crazy. Like. That's so funny. I didn't get that at all. I enjoyed her character. She's the only character that I enjoyed in this movie. Uh, uh, Terry and Todd sometimes. Yeah, it felt like she wasn't acting. She was just being really natural. Yeah, super natch. Casual. Just casually chilling her way through this movie. <laughs> the characters were, were so horny in this film, though. It just reminded me of like... <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking like this is I mean I don't know what this life is like for these kids today but it's like 21 year olds on Tinder is effectively how I'm imagining this this film was I mean nothing against it live your life or whatever I'm not saying it's what I want to do it's definitely not but constantly horny and Karen kind of reminded me of I mean the, literally the way that she phrased it she's like the one person who just says like I would like to make love rather than the other 99% of human beings on the planet who would use perhaps a slightly sexier term or phrase perhaps to uh, want to hook up or whatever you want to call it. But she's like, I want to make love. Okay. But also then is it uh, Artie that she's like, Hey, can you talk to Terry for me? And then Artie's like, yeah, I'll talk to Terry for you. And also try to make out with you. Right. What is this movie? (laughs) I thought he was going to recognize his friend zone. And then he was like, you don't know the dark side. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. So he's just trying to. That was disgusting. That's the thing. They're all shitty, no matter what. (laughs) That was his dark side. Except for maybe Todd, who is a victim of his circumstances. Actually, also minus the little girl who really just knows how to pay attention to instructions. Good on her. Okay, she was actually the best part of this movie. She was like, "Um, this is not a good idea. You're going to hurt my cat. VIP, honestly. Just like absolutely the goat of this movie of like, oh, I should go home and lock the door because there's someone insane out. I will do that. And if somebody comes to my door, I literally won't let them in. And I'm going to defend the one thing that matters in life, our animals. And obviously she didn't have parents at home with her. So she fit in perfectly. They were out at a drive-in. 
one thing that I will say about this movie is that I feel like as wildly different as the characters are, as t- wildly varying their levels of performance are, they all feel like they go together in the sense that they don't. It's like when you open up a drawer full of socks and you know that they're all going to be mismatched socks, but it's like, fuck it, they're all black and it's almost the same height. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's okay. Like, you can get by with wearing them. That's my sock drawer. Wait, my socks are perfectly matched and rolled together. Mine are not matched. I just buy the same type of sock all the time and they all work. And Mac, that is exactly why you are the killer of this group. But (laughs) (laughs) these little moments, right? Like uh, I feel like Jackie, who was the doctor's assistant, was a weird guy swinging around a tranquilizer trying to get high with Terry. (laughs) Did you notice how bizarre it was when he died that he just like really caressed Terry and just like held on to him. Oh yeah. And like caressed his chest too. There was a moan that happened. (laughs) It was a very gay death. I think part of the reason why these characters don't come off as particularly strong in any way is because of the pretty awful dialogue that's written for the most part. For example, I'm sorry. Look, I know we've, We've piled on Maddie, the mom, drunk mom, TM tonight. But when she is talking to Todd, thinking he's Terry and talking, professing her love, you're the bestest, you're the bestest, best. She's talking to him as if he's a dog. Yeah. Yes. And it was just the longest, most unnecessary ramble. It was also a dog and or things you say during sex. <laughs> oh, no. Ew, yeah. Okay, those two things sh- shouldn't go together and yet she managed (laughs) you think they shouldn't but sometimes they do wow you're the best you're so great (laughs) (laughs) who's a good boy (laughs) just speaking hypothetically here was it the intimacy of the moment where she's like oh i don't we don't need anything else we just need me and you yeah that's all we need these are things i'm not saying from experience i'm just saying in general that's what it felt like it felt like things that you only say when one other person can hear you Mm. Mm. or a dog or to your dog that you love dearly. You're such a good boy. You're the bestest. You're the bestest. <laughs> Literally the bestest. And that, that's one of the things that frustrates me about this movie. And I would be curious to see if it ever does get remade at some point. Not that I want a serious remake of it, but there are some highs and lows. It's not cranberry sauce. That's a high. Um, you're the bestest of the bestest. That's a low. But then <laughs> there's that funny little ironic moment where Terry and Andrea are watching TV and there's a axe murder, like someone's being murdered with a hatchet. He's like, this is horrible. Why would they show this on TV? And it's like, this is ironic and also ridiculous. So you want a new scary movie made about this? <laughs> yes, I think that's what I want. I've never seen scary movies, so I can't really confirm. Uh, makes makes fun of things. That's all that you need to know. I may have soft slashed this. And I think it is something that could be watched again. I don't, I don't ever want to watch it alone again. I feel like if I wasn't in as weird of a place as I've been in the past like week leading up to this, I probably wouldn't have laughed as much at this watching it alone. But I do think this is one, like if you're drinking with friends, it's a good time to just poke fun at. I hope I never hear of this movie again. I mean, I guess for the next week, it's going to be on all our socials. But <laughs> after that, <laughs> I hope we all pretend it doesn't exist. I'm going to give it a fifth name and uh, forget that it exists. And did I just say that 14 times? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I just don't want to see it again. That's all. Uh, for me, I feel like, you know, I thought this movie was ass for the most part. Um, but if you cut out all the mom scenes, you may you may get to me to watch it again. You may be able to trick me into doing that. Uh, I will say that 
if I take away anything from this movie, it's that maybe I'll do a Terry Halloween costume one year because that seems pretty easy to pull off and it's like a nice little throwback. Also, I have the same hairline already going for me, so I think I could pull it off. This is excellent. I just want to note that uh, watch without the mom scenes is not an option on Amazon Prime. Okay. Somebody's done it on YouTube. It's got to exist somewhere. You can't make that choice. You have to watch all of it. It's all or nothing. All right. Then I'm probably not doing it. There you go. <laughs> Ditto for me. I'm I'm not going to watch it again. I would be interested in a remake as like maybe like a Netflix show where it goes maybe two or three seasons. It just and that's it. And they end it. You know, kind of like when you get to the the end of season two of you and you're like, please don't make any more. Like we've we've seen enough. I haven't had that experience. Oh, maybe it's just me then. Similar to how we took the mommy issues that existed with Norman and Norma Bates, and then we got Bates Motel. Would you like a campy Bates Motel? Except it's Terry's apartment. I would like one of those. You know, you know when they have these like period films and TV shows now that everything seems like too saturated. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like it's so deliberately sixties or seventies or eighties. I want that, mm. but for two seasons. Terry's condos and apartments. Oh, man. I do want to say I was actually uh, on our Twitter recently and one of our uh, followers tweeted or retweeted something that said, right now, everybody's remaking really good movies. But what we need to do is remake the bad movies that had good ideas and like do them better this time. And I feel like this is a great candidate for that. I agree. We'll see. Maybe one day. And maybe if there are any aspiring screenwriters that listen to this podcast, maybe this would be a good project for you. But until then. We only have this to work with. And I do think there is a little bit more to learn. So, Mac, what do you have for our Factor Fiction? Number one, let's jump right in. I don't know about you, but I sure saw a lot of Nike swooshes in the film. Classic kicks, for sure. But we could have peeped some classic New Balances if only they didn't lose the sponsorship bid. I'm just going to say fiction because I truly did not notice a single one. But also, like, you're implying that this movie was sponsored, and I just don't believe it. What were the previous names of this movie? Complex, Slasher, Nightmare at Shadow Woods. There's truly no way that this was sponsored by Nike. That is a 90s or later phenomena in my experience. You think that, but then you also got to know that there was a Yoda head in the background of the movie, which requires sufficient licensing rights. So I saw literally none of these things. Yeah. I'll go fact. (laughs) It's actually fiction. I made it up. But... What is true is most of the kids in the movie did rock Nike apparel. If you go back and maybe, you know, scrub through some scenes, you're going to see so many Nike shoes, so many Nike shirts. It's actually kind of ridiculous. But was it sponsored? That I I can't know. That's not public knowledge. But there was Nike all over the place. Thanks. I hate it. Gotta love it. Number two. My roommate commented while watching that this film appears to be a good bit older than the other 1987 films like The Lost Boys, The Princess Bride and Good Morning Vietnam. That's because it is somewhat. It was actually filmed four years earlier than the release date in 1983. Mm, Fact. It's tough because one, I would think, no, it was just shitty and low budget. But if it had so many titles, maybe it took a long time to actually put out. So I'm going to say fact as well. This is a fact. It was actually filmed in 83, but it didn't release until four years later, which is kind of wild. And one of those titles was actually used when it was released for TV at which point they cut out most of the super gore, which is kind of cool. So then the movie's worse. It, it, that, de- that depends if you're if you're able to rent it on VHS at the time, um, or if you only had a TV. If you had a TV, it was the only way to watch it, so I guess it's kind of better. Mm. Number three, Marianne Cantor, a producer on this film, gives a performance as Dr. Brimmon, but only because they had to fire the original actress because she showed up late 
and hungover to the first day of filming. <laughs> I go fiction. I'm also going to go fiction. I believe everybody on this set was late and hungover. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fiction. However, the original actress never showed up. Thus, we got Marianne's face on screen. And that actress was Meryl Streep. (laughs) (laughs) Some say she never showed up till this day. And number four, you probably haven't seen much recently from the actors in this film. But did you know that one of them has nearly 90 credited roles? Is it the special effects person? No, I'm talking about an actor. Who was also a special effects person. Ah, I got your (laughs) trick. It's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say fact, and maybe it's the mom, because she felt like she was an actress. Okay, so this is a fact. But no, it's not Louise Lasser as Maddie, although she has over 60 credited roles. It's Brad Leland, credited originally as Brad Williams, who played the teen boy at drive-in. Still going strong with roles into 2020. Oh, man. I was close. He had a nice plain face. I want to know what he's doing now. Apparently several projects, which is really cool. I mean, can you imagine there's other people in this film who have like, you know, the starring roles and he's like, I was out in the first scene and yet I'm doing better than all of you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a a known fact. The further you get in this movie, the more doomed your career is. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I have for Factor Fiction. Yeah, bonus fact, uh, he did have a disgustingly hairy chest, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that depends on what you like. Yep, there you and, go. And uh, that's that's not it for me, folks. But what is it for me is this movie in a really weird way. Blood Rage has earned my own single soft slash, and it earned three hacks from everyone else. Obviously, this is a time of gratitude, and we're so grateful that you have lent us your ear and to listen to our little passion project. And if you've listened to us before, then you know that the conversation doesn't end here. We want to continue this dialogue. A lot of you were excited for this movie, so please share that excitement with us. Obviously, I'm in the minority here, so there's got to be some other defense of this movie, because I know I didn't defend it very well. But there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com, or our social media accounts like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also hit us up at hackerslash.com slash contact. You can leave us an audio message there, especially if you're from out of the States. Or we have our hacker slash hotline. The number is 757-606-0128, or you can text us or call us. Or if you're the evil twin, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons like Carrie. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.